I feel surrounded here by Chad Vara. It is so wonderful. Edward Chad Vara, the eldest of nine children, was born on November the 12th, 1911, at Barton-on-Humber, where his father, Canon William Edward Vara, was the vicar. He named his son after the founder of his parish, St. Chad. From Worksop College, he went on an exhibition to Keble College, Oxford, to read natural sciences, but he changed horses midstream and achieved only modest success in politics, philosophy, and economics. He was, however, secretary of the university's Russian and Slavonic clubs, thus beginning a lifelong interest of his in the Eastern Orthodox churches, and was also founder president of the Scandinavian club. Vara initially resisted following his father into the church, but nevertheless, due to pressure from his godfather, prepared for ordination at Lincoln Theological College, where he was taught by Michael Ramsey, the future Archbishop of Canterbury. Whilst he later confessed to having had unspecified sexual relations with an unspecified number of girls, he became a curate at St. Giles, Lincoln, in 1935. In this role, Vara conducted his first funeral. It was for a 14-year-old girl who had committed suicide, fearing that she was suffering from venereal disease, whereas in fact, she had merely started to menstruate. This experience had a profound effect on Vara. In this new housing estate parish, he soon made a name for himself with his marriage preparation classes, which included explicit sex instruction, attracting young couples from all parts of the city. After further curacies at Putney and Barrow in Furness, he became vicar of Holy Trinity Blackburn in 1942. There, he and a group of young men removed from his church the large unused galleries, indicating an early freelance and somewhat cavalier attitude to the rules on parish reordering, which would later get him into hot water here at St. Stephen Woolbrook. As part of a general enlivening of parish life, he instituted an industrial harvest festival in which representatives of all aspects of local industry and commerce brought to the church examples of their work. And we still do our annual service here today for business. He also edited the diocesan magazine, The Crozier. The role was to bring him into contact with another Lancashire priest, the Reverend Marcus Morris, who was vicar of St. James Birkdale. Morris was transforming his church's four-page parish leaflet into a magazine called The Anvil, in which issues could be hammered out. Both Vara and Morris had accidentally discovered an interest in journalism, and both had a great desire to edit something. The Anvil magazine spread well beyond the diocese to reach a national circulation with many articles contributed by Chad Vara. In the process of expanding the circulation of the magazine Anvil, Marcus Morris had teamed up with a local artist, Frank Hampson. 
both famously went on to publish a new children's comic, The Eagle, in 1950, followed shortly by Girl, Robin, and Swift. I'm sure many of us remember those. Chad Vara was to bring his considerable powers of mind and invention to write not only the scripts for the Bible stories in the new comics, but also take on the futuristic scripting for Dan Dare at a moment's notice. Conveniently, in 1949, Chad also moved down to London to become vicar of St. Paul's Clapham Junction and chaplain of St. John's Hospital, Battersea. Church life was at a low ebb, and the congregation was tiny, but soon there were signs of revival. His work for the newly launched children's comics, based in Shoe Lane, helped supplement his insufficient stipend. It was becoming increasingly clear, though, that Chadvara's chief interest and skill lay in the field of personal counseling which had been claiming an ever-increasing amount of his time since his days as a curate in Lincoln. And the turning point for Chad came in 1953, when he read in a newspaper that there were three suicides every day in the greater London era. What were suicide people supposed to do if they didn't want to involve a doctor or social worker? What sort of a someone might they want? Well, many had already chosen to contact the Reverend Chad Vara because of his expressed liberal views. If it was so easy to save lives, why, thought Chad Vara, did he not do it all the time? But how would he raise the funds to offer this kind of support? And how would people get in touch at the moment of crisis? There ought to be an emergency number for suicidal people, he thought. Then he said to God, be reasonable, God, don't look at me. I'm possibly the busiest person in the Church of England. Chad recognized that he needed to be a priest in one of the city churches with no parishioners. Having settled that, he went on a busman's holiday to Nocky, where there was an English church. And his visit there coincided with receiving an invitation from the grocer's company to become rector of St. Stephen Walbrook. This beautiful Wren church, sensitively rebuilt after the wartime bombing, then had no regular congregation, save perhaps for the Lord Mayor. And Vara accepted the appointment on the understanding that he could use the crypt as the base for a new kind of ministry to desperate people. Indeed, the grocer's company were fully supportive from the outset in what he planned to do at the church. He made it known that with effect from November the 2nd, 1953, anyone contemplating suicide could telephone him at Mansion House 9000, our number today. His many friends in Fleet Street helped publicize the new service and the Daily Mail used the word Samaritans in its headline to announce the assistance being provided to those feeling depressed or suicidal. Calls soon began to come in and doubled each year, from 100 in 1954 to 1,600 in 1959. Eventually, they would grow to 100 a day. 
Initially, Chad used his church stipend to pay a secretary and lived off his Fleet Street earnings. But as the number of clients increased, he recruited and trained volunteer helpers. In 1956, he secured a grant to enable him to engage paid staff, including a professional psychiatrist. During the early part of 1954, however, the original concept of a counseling service had to be abandoned in favor of a less demanding befriending service. He saw the prime importance to be in listening in a non-judgmental manner, leaving decisions to the person making the call and maintaining confidentiality. This change enabled a wider range of unqualified volunteers to be used. These were carefully selected and in their training taught to recognize symptoms that required professional help. Religious tests and attempts to indoctrinate were strictly forbidden. A dynamic priest of generous disposition and immense compassion, especially for those with sexual problems, Vara was quite unshockable. But he was perfectly capable of shocking the more conventional elements here in his church and far beyond it. And while the suggestion that he was responsible for inaugurating the permissive society of the 1950s and 1960s was untrue, it was not entirely incredible. A controversial article outlining what Vara believed to be an enlightened Christian philosophy of sex appeared in a widely read magazine, Picture Post, in 1953. And for some 20 years, he was a consultant to the magazine Forum, which specialized in the frank discussion of heterosexual and homosexual problems and aspirations. Chad did not limit himself to the suicidal and depressed, but was prepared to put his reputation on the line associating with controversial issues. The telephone help service for people contemplating suicide became known as the Samaritans, and which, after a period of rapid growth in Britain, provided a model for establishing similar organizations in most other parts of the world. Later, the movement advertised its availability to the despairing as well as to the suicidal. Vara stood at the head of all these developments, providing inspiration and expertise, and was more than content for others to deal with the increasing administrative demands. From 1974 to 1986, Chad was founder chairman, then president of Befrienders International, Samaritans worldwide. Indeed, always with strong views and not backward in expressing them, in later years he entered into a turbulent relationship with the management of the Samaritans, not altogether always in tune with the direction being taken. On reaching the age of 75 in 1986, he retired from his various Samaritan offices except that of founder, but continued to travel the world sometimes on Concord, offering encouragement and advice. He did not, however, retire from his position here as rector of St. Stephen Walbrook. From the outset, he had employed a professional quartet to sing 16th and 17th century masses at the Sunday morning prayer book Eucharist. The congregations here were never large, 
but he became a much-loved figure in the city, and his growing fame attracted to the church visitors from overseas. And also, as chaplain to the Lord Mayor, he always enjoyed his place in the coach at the annual Lord Mayor's procession, and he was a liveryman of the Carmen and the Grocers' Companies. But disaster struck the church in 1978, when it was discovered that the erection of the high-rise buildings had lowered the water table of the neighborhood and dried out the foundations of our church here, causing its walls, dome, and tower to become potentially unstable. Immediate closure of the building was required, and nine years were to pass before it was ready for reopening. I remember in my own work passing it many times and thinking of it closed. During this time, Vara shared in the worship at St. Paul's, of which he had become a prebendary in 1975, and in partnership with his friend Peter Palumbo, raised the money needed for the underpinning of this church's foundations and the securing of its walls. When the work was nearing completion, Vara, aided by Palumbo, commissioned Henry Moore to sculpt an altar to stand directly under the dome. Great controversy followed the refusal of the Chancellor of London Diocese to grant a retrospective faculty for the altar on the ground that it was solid stone and not a table, and for the church reordering. New pews had been commissioned from Vara's son that we see today. Undeterred, Vara appealed to the Court of Ecclesiastical Causes Reserved and at what proved to be the only the second time the court had been convened in its long history, the Chancellor's decision was overturned, mostly on the basis of a fait accompli and the impracticability of reversing the situation. <laughs> a few eyebrows were raised when Vara, in his autobiography, Before I Die Again, written in 1992, announced, when I say the creed, I assert my belief in reincarnation. But no one was surprised when aged 81, he founded Men Against Genital Mutilation of Girls. Its membership was never large. He was patron of the Terence Higgins Trust, the HIV and AIDS charity from 1987 to 1999. Chad Vara finally retired after 50 years as rector of St. Stephen Walbrook in 2003. At 92, he was at the time the oldest incumbent in the Church of England. The Reverend Prebendary Chad Vara died in 2007, age 95. He was one of the most remarkable and most highly honored Church of England priests of modern times. Appointed OBE in 1969, advanced to CBE in 1995, and Companion of Honor in 2000. An honorary fellow of Keble College, Oxford, he received honorary doctorates from six British universities. Among numerous international awards were the Albert Schweitzer Gold Medal, and the Romanian Patriarchal Cross, awarded for his work as Secretary of the Orthodox Church's Aid Fund. His wife Susan, who was a notable central president of the Mother's Union for many years, died in 1993. She and Chad Vara had four sons, three of them triplets, and a daughter.
Today, today his name can be found on the walls of this church and also given to a school in Lincoln as well as a residential house, part of the Lincoln Institute of Technical Education. However, he will always be most closely associated with this church, which he loved and which he nurtured through so many difficult and challenging times. Amen. <laughs>